0: Welcome to the Feustal Fit Health and Fitness and what seems to be today a lifestyle podcast. This is episode 25 and today we're talking about parenting. I wanted to talk about different topics other than body positivity um, because I think once you get over your disordered eating, disordered food relationships, body image issues and over exercise, you're then left with real life. And then if you don't have any coping strategies with all the issues that happen in real life, you then feel a little bit stuck and have to deal with all of these things. And one of these issues is parenting. Because let's face it, parenting is a really hard job. And there's no book that tells you how to do it. So I got the advice of Anika, who is a parenting expert. And we talk about being a parent of a teenager. So I hope you're going to enjoy this episode If you've listened to any of my other episodes, you'll know that I do various different topics and some may not be for you. I'm soon going to be having somebody talk about money as well. So we're going to go through various life topics because at the end of the day, it all comes under the umbrella of your health and well-being. If you've got on your wheel of life the various sections in your life, so you've got your social, your emotional, you've got your family, you've got your money, your finances, you've got your career, you've got your health and your fitness... You've got all of these different sections to your life and when you don't have an eating disorder or any kind of disorder or addiction masking those areas of your life that are not going so well, you're then left with those areas and you have to deal with them. So let's learn some coping strategies and hopefully some tips and get some advice from Anika for parenting. And if it's not an episode that you're wanting to listen to, then please skip by and wait for the next one. Money. Welcome to the Fustel Fit Podcast with your host, Nicola Fustel, straight talking, body positive coach, and personal trainer. Nicola brings you your weekly guide to finding real health and fitness and to live the life you deserve. So today I was joined by Anika. Vasel from the parent and teen and preteens village community on Facebook and I ask her to start by telling me exactly what it is
1: that she does. So I go by a teen behaviorist so I work with parents primarily who have uh, difficulties with their children who are struggling say their child is putting themselves at risk um, of harm um, out there on the internet you know all kinds of things that you know, we fear um, is a reality for more parents than we realise it. You know, so there's a lot of kind of things that young people are getting involved in, and what I found is that after the naught to five years, there's not much support. So we kind of hit, the, we kind of sail through um, the early kind of adolescent years, say from up to eleven, um, or even earlier actually, about eight years old, and we hit a wall. And things start changing the hormones kick in they are exposed to all kinds of things and um, they've got more influence by friends and there's just no support out there so that's kind of why i've set up this parenting group on facebook okay
0: so what about you what's your story and why did you want to become a parenting coach
1: my story is that i've had over 20 odd years of um, working with young people. So um, my background is forensic psychology, which is criminal psychology. And I was going down that route of um, wanting to work with offenders. However, uh, after having children myself, I didn't want to be associated or be around that kind of negative energy. That's just Mm -hmm. how I felt, even though, you know, it was such a passion of mine um, originally. And I worked with young offenders and, um, you know, I've worked with children in children's homes and I used to run and manage a manager unit um, and I've had six children living with me actually at one point um, earlier on in my career Wow! and also um, teaching uh, so I, I taught psychology but I think really I'm, what I want to do is the preventative bit and what I see is in order to prevent what's going off and you know there's a lot of children out there who are in distress, absolute distress, And what I keep finding is that that there is a disconnect between parents and their children. Parents and teens, you know, it's off the scale. And I was finding, particularly when I started working at this school, because I wasn't in the role that I normally am in, so I went to work in a school where children, you know, it was a middle-class school, um, the children, in a middle-class area, the children um, didn't look like me. I'm a black woman with dreadlocks, and um, I was still getting children coming to me and approaching me i think because of the subjects that i was teaching i was teaching psychology they would still come to approach me about very personal things and the first question i always ask them is have you spoken to your parents about this and the answer would more, would be more often than not no so then i started kind of investigating in terms of getting into a business and i realized that parents just don't have a clue what their children are being exposed to they don't have a clue how to communicate a lot of them and I don't believe it's the parents' fault, we just are kind of left out there. And I believe that we are all educated to become parents. When, before we have children, we are, um, you know, we've got midwives, we've got um, you know, health visitors all helping us to do the most basic of things, but then we're left to do nothing and um, to try and figure it out. And then we've got a crisis with teenagers.
0: So do you so- think that it's getting worse now?
1: I think it is getting worse now, yeah. Um, I think there's an imbalance of um, parental control, I think there's an imbalance of parental respect. Um, I believe that children have a lot of power or, um, you know, we can hear them in terms of their voice which is good, but I believe that whilst we've empowered children, we have disempowered parents. and you know, there's a lot of parents um, who are fearful of their children and a lot, most of the work that I do with parents, if I'm working with a parent on one-to-one work, is about confidence and being able to establish themselves as a parent and as somebody who can um, instill discipline and um, put in rules and regulations in their house. And a lot of it is, you know, they're quite fearful um, of what can happen and the tantrums that their child might, you know, might have. So yeah, that's, that's, it is getting worse, yeah, definitely. So
0: wh- why do you think the communication's been lost and, and the teenagers don't want to go to their parents and they'll go to a complete stranger before they'll speak to their family?
1: Oh, gosh. Um, I think it might be down to respect um, for parents. Um, that's that's what I see. I, I, I believe that a lot of young people, they don't believe that their parents have the capacity to deal with whatever issue it is or um they you know they're more trusting of people out on you know perfect strangers on the internet they'll go and get their advice from so i just think it's about that relationship that connection and you know the respect really that actually you're my parent you've got my best interests at heart and um you know i i need to trust you that the advice you're giving me is um solid um i'm not sure why there is a setup there but really we need to be spending more time talking about all of those taboo subjects that we don't want to, you know, that feel a bit uncomfortable for us as parents. But what we need to recognise is that our children are going out to find out exactly about all of those subjects that we don't want to talk about. And if we're not positioned to give the information, they're going to find it elsewhere. And if it's easier to go to somebody else because, you know, they're not feeling so embarrassed, then they'll go. But we need to let them know that they need to come to us. We're going to give them the best advice, um, you know, in terms of, who they are and how it relates to, you know, it's not going to be a PC advice either, because when children come to me and speak to me, I've got to give a PC answer, um, but it might not be based on anything in terms of my personal experiences or what I wish for them or anything, it's just going to be kind of a sterile um, bit of information. So yeah, I think it's the connection between parents and teens that really needs to be addressed.
0: But do you think as well, because today everybody's so busy and a lot of parents Are working like you know long hours and commuting to in and out of London and and so on do you think it's a case of time not having time to sit down and talk to their children
1: I think we need to make time you know these are our babies you know our children we need to make that time life is busy but you know things are going to get really busy for you when your child you know hits a crisis point you know trust me you will find the time to deal with that and it will consume you. It will consume you at work, it will consume you so that you can't sleep, it will consume every bit ounce of you. So the best thing, I mean, that, this is what I'm trying to um, do with parents right now, is get them before the crisis point hits because when it hits, it, my goodness, it's, it's not good.
0: So when we say we're talking about teenagers, what age do you classify teenager and is it different from girls to boys?
1: Well, I, I I market myself um, as a teen behaviorist because usually people come to me when they've hit in the teen years and the crisis point when it's hit but actually I do try and um, reach out to you know young adolescents so I say between nine and 19 that's the demographic that I work with anybody who's got a child who's just about to go into the certain of things that you need to know and prepare yourself for for when they before they hit the teen years so yes it's great you know um, I'm there. And I'm, you know, providing a support service for parents who have teenagers and who are going through the crisis point. But actually, my my real, um, where I get the real joy is the preventative bit. The preventative bit and, you know, informing in parents and sharing my skills with parents so they can go and do it themselves. And they don't have to go through, you know, the journey or it's not so rough for them.
0: I mean you are the first parenting coach that I've ever seen so I think possibly it's a case of there's not much help out there as well because you can feel a bit isolated having a conflict at home with a child and not really know who to go to or where to get any advice or help from and if Mm -hmm. your friends or peers or colleagues or whatever are not having the exact same thing with their child or their child's not the same age you've got no one to go to for support. That's right
1: I mean that's why I've kind of set up the group, but what I also um recognize is that there's a lot of um blame and shame of parents, so parents don't tend to come forward. Um, you know the, even now in the group, I, you know I put things out there um, you know my, my my last post i I put out there was um about parental abuse and um you know, parents getting beat up and attacked and physically assaulted by their children, and eventually, you know a few parents and um, step forward but the amount of parents that are contacting me behind the scenes and are not wanting to speak out because they feel the shame they feel that they're going to be blamed and they've done something wrong and you know we i think we need to really change the attitude and the culture towards parenting older children it isn't easy and absolutely we need the support networks there and absolutely we need to be trained and supported and educated about some of the issues that teens go through and how to manage it so yeah, um, there isn't that much support out there, absolutely, and it does need to change.
0: So do you think, obviously, in a, in a case like that with the team being violent, that's quite an extreme case and obviously very disturbing, but is, is it a case of it's got too far or can you always bring things
1: back? I never give up, you know. Um, I, I, I would never give up, absolutely. I mean, it, it, it can feel like it's gone too far, but it is a case of usually when I when I'm working with parents, it's about the confidence levels. And, you know, in, in any in any situation, if a child is getting away, you know, maybe it's not as extreme as, um, you know, the physical attacks, But in any situation where um, there is a child and they are taking advantage or, you know, maybe they're having tantrums in the home or refusing to do things when you step up as a parent then the child will not want it to change because they want this, you know, the status quo. They want it to stay exactly as it is. They've been getting away with it. Why should they change? They're gonna put up a fight. Um, I think we just need to expect that there's gonna be a fight. But if you back down after that fight, then that fight, next time you try and challenge them, it's gonna to get tougher. So once you go through it and step up to them, expect them to raise the bar, but you've gotta keep going through. And absolutely, they can change. If they're treating you a certain way, and they're not treating somebody else a certain way, that means it's behaviour that they are choosing to um, to apply to you um, as their parent. So, you know, the, the problems come in is if they're treating everybody like that. But if, it is, if it's just you or in your home, and they're being disrespectful, then it's something that can be, can be addressed.
0: Do you think sometimes, like bad behaviour, not anything specific, but just behaving badly to your parent, could be a case of trying to seek attention from them.
1: Yeah, I mean, um, that can happen too. So we need to be, um, you know, just like you were saying about the the time and not having time, we need to be spending time with our kids. We need to be having those conversations. Uh, so yes, it could be attention-seeking and if it is attention-seeking, we need to be giving them the right attention. And also we need to be giving them the attention so that they're not going outside of the home to seek inappropriate attention. So, yeah, we need we need to put the time in and and that's the, that's crucial. You know, it is it is about time. That is the most precious thing that you can give your child and it's the most effective thing, you know, that you can implement is um spending time.
0: It's interesting because the the thinking about uh, kids trying to get attention off of you. I've got a 5-year-old and an 18-year-old and in some so, ways I feel like the parenting is the same, although they're yeah. so different in age and that's where I uh, don't have anybody in a similar situation to me because most people either have teenagers or young ones, and they've yeah. kind of forgotten the what happens in between. Yeah. So yeah. definitely, you see five-year-olds having tantrums, and normally that is because they want to get your attention. And I do think that even teenagers do exactly the same thing, and maybe it is because they need your attention.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. You're spot on, honestly, Nicola. But I think the difference is that you can't put the older one on the naughty step, so. You know, we need tools to be, um, to kind of manage that behavior, but it's exactly the same thing. You know, I talk about, you know, teen tantrums that that's exactly what it is. It's, um, or terrible, terrible teens. You know, you have the terrible, um, toddlers.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Terrible teens. It's the same thing. And you know, you know, what a lot of their behavior is down to the way that they are, um, there's a lot of changes in the brain and, um, these, these things are kind of natural. It's, it's a, a, a process. So we can expect certain things to happen. We can prepare for them. Uh, it, a lot of it isn't about them being naughty or in terms of some, something they just can't help. They misinterpret in, um, information even. There's, there's so many things that are happening in the changes in their brain that, that are impacting on them. Not as an excuse, we still need to manage it, but there are changes. Just as in any developmental stage, mm-hmm. there are changes.
0: It's interesting, one of my clients does um, talks about the brain and she told me that, that my uh, daughter and her friends and the way that they act is because of stuff going on inside their brain and that they can't put places like where you would think, well, tomorrow I've got to do this, then I've got to do that, so I need to pack this food and I need to get those clothes ready. She was saying just the process of one event leading to the next, leading to the next, they can't then plan ahead like that because their brains are not working in that way.
1: Yeah, yeah, I mean, some of it you know maybe they just can't be bothered but yes absolutely there are certain things that that are happening it, it's a developmental stage and it's the next major developmental stage after the naught to five years so you know expect the changes and if you're not prepared if you're not skilled up if you haven't got the support as a parent then it's likely to be rocky. you know it's um the, the only thing is you, we we tend to be so isolated we think it's only happening to us when actually it's happening to them next door and you know the door after, it's it's something that is um you know common and it needs to be, we need to just speak more about it.
0: Um, because I did want to speak to you about that the brain development and if you understand why, because a lot of the talks that I have on my podcast are about eating disorders and many people say that their eating disorder started when they were a teenager because mm-hmm. of what the changes that happen in their brain. Just a normal diet at that age can then turn into an eating disorder. Do you understand the process behind that can you explain that to us
1: <laughs> i come from more in terms of um, the pressures of society in the media mm-hmm. so that's kind of how i look at it in terms of self-esteem being resilient being um being able to distinguish between the images that they're seeing or be that are being portrayed or um, flashed through the tvs or you know through the the computer screens at them but those aren't the, the, those aren't real. Um, so it's it's more when I work with young people who have got self-esteem issues I'm more focused on you know just bringing back bringing back the reality. Um, and in terms of like the eating disorders I mean there's it's so complex so it just it really does depend on where that child is at or you know what's impacting on them. It could be um you know eating disorders as well as it can be around control there's so many different things that could have happened, I, they've related it to, um, you know, abuse as well. Um, so there's, it's very, very complex in terms of eating disorder. So yeah, it, it really does. it is really on a case-by-case um, basis that you would assess that.
0: So as parents, how can we help our teenagers to be more body positive and not be so affected by the things that they see in the media?
1: We have to be talking about it. And you know, again, it comes back to time, but I, what I do with my children, I will let them see, for instance, um, you know, they'll, they'll, they will enjoy watching, um, like their videos. And if they see somebody, you know, Beyonce, or I don't know, Nicki Minaj, why do I also let them see the process behind that? So when they're seeing these videos, they need to know that there's been a makeup artist that has been at that um with them that they have trained for hours um you know doing the right moves and getting that video in. They've got camera, they've got lighting, they've got all of those things. So in terms of that, it's just it's um you know it's not real what they're seeing. Um, it's it, it's a portrayal. It's um it's an illusion what they're seeing. And actually, can they see any Nicki Minaj's around them? Can they see any Beyonces around them? No, because when when you can see the um, you know them in their day-to-day life they look very different but it, you know but also it's okay to do all of that and create an illusion and have a fantasy world but as long as we know and we're clear that that's exactly what it is so it's, it, it becomes very difficult as they get older. I know that but in terms of um, you know when they're younger and when they are nine, 10, 11 these are the things these are the messages that we need to be putting out there to our younger ones For the older ones. It's, you know, it's kind of deconstructing that and ensuring that they are feeling um, confident and, you know, all of the self-esteem work and the resiliency work to, um, you know, put in there. But it's kind of you're, you're deconstructing the kind of mindset that they've already built up, which is obviously a lot tougher. Yeah,
0: because I do feel like a lot of this has only happened really in the last few years. So my teenage already is 18, so she would have gone through that stage already. And now, obviously, the media is everywhere. So Mm -hmm. luckily for for us, she hasn't had an issue with herself from looking at things. But there are obviously on Instagram, she'll sometimes say to me, oh, look at that. How do I get this or that? And Mm. and obviously, as a body positive uh, fitness person, I I have the right things to say to her. But in a way, it's tricky because where I've changed my opinion and Mm -hmm. and learned and changed myself, I've had to try to change the opinion that I already gave her. So I don't know if you get what I'm saying there, but do you? Um, is there any advice you have for people? Because obviously, as a parent, you are also growing and changing yourself as a person. Yeah. Uh, what happens if you change your opinions and views on something and you've already told your children one thing and now you're trying to change it? Do you have any advice on, on what you can do there?
1: I think, you know, you can just be honest with, with your child. You can have, you know, we, we change and we grow, and that's something that isn't going to stop. You know, we are always going to change and develop and grow. And you know, as long as our children know and are clear that any su- support, any advice, anything that we are saying to them is coming, from, is coming from a place of complete, total love and adoration for them and wanting the best for them, then, you know, they can't question that. So, you know, things do change and we can be very, very clear and very honest with them and say, yeah, I used to think that, I, you know, that's exactly where I am, but, you know, now I've learned and I've grown myself. Now I can see, and this is actually something that, you know, you would, the advice I'm giving you now is something that you would benefit from. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't lie to you. I wouldn't want anything, you know, worse or, you know, negative um, to happen to you from the advice I'm giving you. So, you know, I think, I think again, that's, you know, the trust that you have with your, your, your child or what you build up. But as long as, you know, we change, you know, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't beat yourself up. Or you know any parent to beat themselves up about um, having you know a different view from when they were younger. You know I change my views all the time as I learn and grow, so it's not a problem as long as your child knows that you've got their very best interest at heart and they can never question that. It's it's all good.
0: And what about history repeating itself? So you have those conversations with your children and tell them things that you got up to when you were younger, and then your child goes and does it and says, well you did that, so it's okay. <laughs> I'm going to do that as well. What do you think about that?
1: Uh, you know what? It's as long as for me, and this is how I, you know, grow and and, and raise my children. Is I give them the information. So I will give them all the information about the good things that can happen if they do that, and I will give them all the information about the bad things. And um, the bottom line is, you know, when they when they're able to make that choice then they need to make the choice. So, you know, I, I'm very open and very clear and um, quite harsh in terms of in terms of the reality of what it is that they're getting into. So as long as their eyes are open, that's, as far as I'm concerned, that's my job done. Then it's for them to make the choice. And they might make the choice, they might make the mistake, but whenever they go down that road, as long as I've had that conversation, if they go down the road and they can see a mistake happening because I've already explained to them what's going on, then hopefully that will make them you know kind of revert back and say okay yes my mum did tell me about that and you know there's nothing more that we can do i think just make ensuring that they are making informed choices Mm -hmm. and the way that they make informed choices is by us giving them the information that they need and
0: i think on that subject like i've always had the approach of if i just tell my daughter to be honest with me I know she's going to do certain things that I won't like, but as long as she's honest with me, and I can have her safety as, like, the priority. Um, and I know some parents will be so strict, and they wouldn't even have that conversation with their child because they just, they don't want them to do that thing, whatever it may be, at all. And so the mm-hmm. child will still go along and do it, and then the parent will be none the wiser. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I totally agree. I mean, my parents were um, particularly strict with me, and I got up to all sorts, so... You know it's like um um, i think again it's just gonna have to be about them making informed choices but also that you know they've got to grow you they've got to learn and um they are going to make mistakes um what what we what we pray for in terms of um our parenting is that any mistakes that they make that they learn from and they grow from um you know that's kind of the process so i think we just need to arm them with information with the tools with the ways of um you know just looking out for possible dangers and who to go to and where to go to and when to go to other people for the support as well so they need um, support networks around them um children you know teenagers they're gonna they're gonna try they're gonna explore i'm still trying different things i'm still wanting adventures i'm still you know going out there and trying risky things um not risk putting myself at risk but in terms of risks as in trying to you know leaving teaching and going into business so that's that's a thrill that i get but so it's natural we just need to give them the information and you know um pray and um also hope that they um take that on board it it, that then we're not going to prevent them from taking risks you know is basically what i'm saying they're going to do it they just need to be making informed choices
0: so it seems like, and obviously well, it seem, it's obvious that the best thing really to do is open up communication with your team. Mm-hmm. What happens when you're so busy, you're in and out of the house, you're like passing ships, and the common way to communicate with them is through text messages, WhatsApp messages and Post-it notes. How do you mm-hmm. get them to sit down and have a family
1: meeting? Okay, it might not be a family meeting, it might be, you know... I've written a book, actually. Can I say that? Yeah, yeah, I wrote a book. Um, It's called Creating Special Moments with Your Teen. And it's um, conversation openers that you can have with them. And it can be like, you know, quick things and, you know, inexpensive things to do with your child just in order to keep that connection going. So it it, it isn't time time consuming either in terms of, you know, we are living these busy lives. But there are things, you know, we can open up things and get to know each other. Um, and learn about you know our children through communicating so you know in, in, in that book it's like there's 52 things or it's a year's worth of stuff that you can do with your child and um, very quick but lovely and you know just spending that you know 10 minutes with your child 15 minutes um, with your child a week where it's focused on them you know we can all find 15 minutes to to do those things with our children it's important and it will save a lot of time and energy in the future.
0: Do you think that's key then, to have short time together? Because like, I've tried to open up that channel with my daughter and say, well, let's cook some dinner together. Let's spend an evening. And then, although she says it sounds like a nice idea, but her friends will then come up as priority, or she'll have something mm-hmm. else on. And so it never gets done.
1: No. Well, you can have little short moments. It doesn't have to be the whole evening. Yes, their friends. The excitement is out you know outside or you know on the phone or whatever, so it can you can have lots of little short moments together, and you can have lots of little short um deep conversations with them as well where you um and and it doesn't even have to be a conversation where they're answering you back, you can just give them some information for them to chew on you can um pose a question for them to have a think about. And then they can go off and then you know you can ask them oh did you think about what i said to you um let's have a quick conversation about that you know so it it doesn't have to be anything at length you can have beautiful moments in short spaces you can you know drive to school um with them in the car or you know walk with them to the shop and have a a a moment it doesn't have to be you know a prescribed um i'm gonna we're gonna set out family time at this time and we're gonna do this no it's we can just weave it into our lives, and, and, and that's fine, and that's lovely. Um, you know, it, it's quality over quantity, I'd say. Yeah,
0: I think that's nice, because when when you put a label on, it, label on it, like, this is our family time now, or this is our family meeting, they're just going to cringe and retreat to their room. <laughs> and yeah. um, that's yeah. the last thing that they want to do, is, is sit down. And my daughter's even said to me she doesn't want to stand there and feel like she's in court with
1: me, and she's <laughs> on trial. Yeah, yeah. No, you can weave those conversations into daily life and that's lovely, you know, and you can have those, um, yeah, like I said, those deep, deep conversations and they don't have to be, it doesn't have to be an hour long at all. You can have lots of them um, and create the hour.
0: When it is something that's a little bit negative and something that's um, bugging you or hurting you and you want to open up a conversation, what advice have you got there?
1: Um, if it's something that's quite serious that's happened,
0: yeah, just anything that's like on the negative. So it's obviously a, a difficult conversation to have.
1: Okay. Um, can you give me an example? I mean, what I, where I want to go is that I'd probably, if it was something that I would probably ask them how they would feel. That's how I would start the conversation. How How would you feel if this if you was in this position or if you found out that about somebody or how do you think I I would feel if I found that out about you? So. To get them thinking about their actions rather than me telling them you've done X, Y, and Z and this, that, the other. I would I would want them to communicate with me and to think it through. Um, so that's kind of how the approach is. Does that make sense? Is that what yeah. you're asking me?
0: Yeah, so you're still saying short and sweet, leave them to think about it and then come back to talk about it.
1: It depends what it is. It depends, but I mean it, you know, you can pose a question, there's lots of different tools you could use. Pose a question, but if, I, if I'm dealing with any child, I want them to think about their actions um, mm-hmm. and, I, and I want to put the questions to them, and then I want them to come and tell me why I'm feeling this way. you know that means you know rather than me going, you know you've done this and now nah, da da no um, I want them to come and tell me how how I'm feeling because of their actions, and then usually you know it comes with an apology um, and I've not had to force it out of them, so that's what I would you know be advising really okay.
0: And just moving on from that, I was just thinking about money. Uh, we often with teens like what they think is mine is mine, and what's yours is mine. So, is there? Do you have any tips on teaching the value of money and not wasting money and, and taking it for granted?
1: Um. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, um, in terms of are they doing the shops? Or, you know, in terms of the food shopping, are they? Um, are they mindful of the bills? Are you getting them to pay for things or um, take? you know, take control, you know, in terms of turning into an adult, it's also about learning about those responsibilities. My, my girls, I mean, I've got two girls, they're nine and 13. And you know, what, what I say to them is in terms of you becoming an adult, it isn't about going out, it isn't about wearing makeup, it isn't about your nail varnish or, you know, your boyfriends or whatever. If you can control and manage a household, if you when you can manage a household then i will see you as a woman so until then until you can cook and you can clean and you can do all of those things for you for yourself then you know when you're coming to tell me about this at the other and you know and you've got a concept of um, money and you've got a concept of this then you know you'll have all the responsibility you need but you know there's a balance so with every we we have to teach them those things we really do so if it, if you know, a child has got no concept of money, then that's something that we can instill in them. And by do, what we need to do is give them responsibility and make them aware, open up the bills and let them see your bank account and see how you're, you know, kind of um, taking this to pay for that or, you know, we, we really need to, they need to have an understanding so that they, that's part of them going, moving through it from child to adult. So this, is, this is the moment where we need to be instilling those, those things, um, you know, more responsibilities.
0: So what if they uh, say that, social, that money's stressing them out and they don't want to look at that?
1: What do you mean money's stressing them out?
0: So when you try to give them more responsibility and say, well, have a look at these bills, this is what needs to go for this, this is what you're paying for that, and they say, well, I don't want to look at that because it's stressing me out, I've got too many other things to be dealing with, I've got my exams, I've got this and that going on outside of life, outside of the household.
1: Um, well, if they're getting money from you... <laughs> Um, if if you're providing them with money, then you know then they need to look at the money I wouldn't take I wouldn't accept no as an answer and it, and the thing about it it doesn't have to be something where it's um you know like a punishment either it's just like oh let's have you know let let me show you this or can you take responsibility for this it doesn't it doesn't need to come across as a punishment um while when they're learning um about about things that they're going to need to know know about it's um I suppose it's it's a way that you can integrate it into, you know, those moments that you have with them. It doesn't have to be a negative experience, um, Mm -hmm. learning about these things.
0: Does that answer your question? Yeah. Yeah. And you mentioned punishments there and we did a little bit earlier as well and I wanted to come back to that because there's obviously various punishments you do for certain ages and grounding has always been a big one. But what happens when your child's too old for grounding?
1: When your child is too old for grounding, then they need to be. Um, oh gosh, too old for grounding. It, when they're too old for grounding, are they an adult themselves now? You know, um, too old for grounding. Um, you know, are they are they paying for bills? Are, are, you know, what are you what are you doing for them? What what responsibilities do you need to be um, instilling on them? What things are you going to take away? um you know, the, the tasks that you're doing for them, what are you going to hand over now? Um, so, you know, the, it, depend, it depends on your child as well, you've got to kind of weigh it up, it's very difficult to kind of put something general out, out mm-hmm. there, but um, no, if, if your child is um, under your roof, and I think that's where confidence kicks in again, then there are certain things that they have to do. If I'm living with um, somebody else as an adult, then there's certain things that I'm going to have to do. Um, you know, there's just going to be certain ground rules um, in that relationship. So that's, and if I don't put them in place, or if, um, you know we don't put set them in place, then somebody's going to be taken advantage of, and somebody's not going to be pulling their weight. So, mm-hmm. you know, we we need as parents to step up and challenge that. Uh, you know, it's not about a free ride. You know, it's not about, um, and and it isn't about, you know, it, it's a, it's an attitude where they want to contribute as well they should want to contribute and that's what we need to be instilling if they don't want to contribute then we need to take away what we are doing for them and and hand them over a responsibility
0: yeah so how um obviously without there being any grounding and you've established that there are a list of rules to living under the house Mm -hmm. so if they're not obeying by the rules then what's the alternative like moving out of the house you know these are the rules to live here so if you're not going to
1: live here you're, you're not living here if they're old enough, then absolutely. If they're, if they're of age and they don't want to listen to to your or, or abide by the rules that you've got in your household, then actually they need to be moving on. And in that moving on, that moving on doesn't have to be negative either. You know, you can actually help them and support them to move on. Um, <laughs> but, you know, if I, if, as an adult, if I'm going back to live with uh, my parents, there's going to be certain rules that I'm going to have to abide by. Otherwise, I'll have to come out. So we really do need to be um, not fearful of them growing up and moving on. That's part of, the, you know, part of their journey. And again, like I said, it doesn't have to be negative. It doesn't have to be, you know, you need to get out. It can be, okay, let's find you somewhere to be. <laughs> it could be around the corner. It could be, you know, um, you know, with friends um, or, you know, if a few of them feel that they are um you know, ready, um, I, I don't see it. I don't see it as a negative thing. You know, they they will learn. They will learn quicker when they're out.
0: So just thinking about the from the child's perspective then they've been a child and you've done all these things for them, then suddenly they're becoming of age and now they've got all these rules that they have to abide by or not live in the house anymore. It sounds really negative and um how do you keep that a positive thing how can you make them see that it's positive for them to have more responsibility and to actually live with you it's going to be cheaper and it's going to be better for them
1: sometimes they might <laughs> they might not get it until they've like experienced it um I'm sure if you know a bit of a, a bit of excitement for a few months and they'll be back you know that's kind of and if they're not and they're thriving then you know great as well um i, I don't i don't see children moving out as a negative and I know that it's it can be frightening and it you know it is you know worrying as a parent and we want them um but but yeah I think I don't I don't think we need to present it as a negative. Okay, you don't want to do this. Let's look at I think you're coming of age and I think maybe you you know it's time for you to move out and let's you know let's start looking and seeing what you can do and, and in that you can look at the finances. How much is it going to cost you to get a cooker? How much is it going to cost you to get a um, dishwasher let's work it out you're gonna to have to start saving no I'm not gonna give you money let's put that money in a fund now so we can save so we can look towards you moving on if you're not going to listen to me that's fine you know um, if your child's an older child then they can um, you know let's support them to spread their wings and we don't have to be negative about it does that make sense
0: yeah it does and it's, it sounds so easy just to say that but I could just see that going terribly wrong <laughs> Really, <laughs> from the perspective of the child or the mm. well the now coming adult mm. if you like so on yeah, that note they'll, though
1: they'll, they'll put up a resistance if 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 things are cushy in the house and now all of a sudden they're faced with the prospect of like shipping out um you know um yeah they're going to put up the resistance um which is what i mentioned earlier but i think I don't think it, I don't think it's negative, a child, um, you know, moving on um, and, and if, if we're part of that, we can make it, you know, more comfortable and we can also be teaching them about the finances as well and saving money and doing, you know, looking looking for places. How much is it going to cost you a month to live? But, you know, all of those things are, are, are key skills in terms of, you know, being an adult.
0: Okay. And um, obviously being an adult and living under the roof, we're talking about bills now. How do you, and when do you, start introducing paying rent?
1: Mm. Is, um, if they're working, they should be contributing. Um, and even if you take that money and put it into a saving account you know, for them, they should be contributing something. They, sh- they should get into that mode. Um, you know on, on you know if if, if, there's, if there's money coming in they sh- you should take something even you know whatever amount a um, nominal amount you should take something from them um you don't necessarily have to spend it like i said but mm-hmm. you should they should get into the habit of knowing that you know now it's time they need to be paying for towards these bills that you've like explained me paying for mm, okay mm easier
0: <laughs> said than <laughs> done easier said than done
1: it is it is and um, you know like i said they're gonna kick up a fight but get ready for the fight um if i had it pushed you and somebody told me that um you know you're gonna have to do x y and z then yeah i'm gonna fight to keep it the way that you know how it has been so get ready for it but you know it, either you don't do it or you do you know it in terms but if that's something that you feel needs to be instilled, some parents won't. And, I, you know, I wouldn't want to impose anything on parents either. So some parents um, won't want to, and that's fine. But if you do, then, you know, you, you can do it. And, and that's OK. And It's not unreasonable what you would be asking for. It isn't unreasonable. It is fair. If they went out and asked any of their friends or spoke to their friends, parents, it's like, you know what, most people would say, yeah, that's pretty fair. To be paying and contributing towards the household, and actually that should be instilling them with some pride that they are contributing and they are of age. You know, um, forget the makeup, forget this, forget the, um, you know, the drinking or you know whatever. Um, contributing to the household, um, you know, that should be filling filling them with some pride. Um, so yeah, I, I, I would if if you wanted to, then I would say yeah, do it and expect them to resist.
0: And so in terms of contributing to the house, like cleaning that kind of thing, how do you um, get them to do more?
1: How do you get them to do more?
0: Yeah, and to take pride <laughs> in the house and not assume that it's everybody else's job.
1: Hmm. Um. I would be taking away. I mean, my my own services. Um. I would. Uh, yeah. I. I mean, I'm trying to think. When I had I had six children living with me, and these were children with behavioural difficulties, serious behavioural difficulties that didn't um, they weren't able to be schooled in a conventional school, and um, yeah, they had chores. All of them had something to contribute to, um, and it went without question that we all needed to contribute in order to live in this house. So um, I think. I think children you know they're capable they are capable of it and um it's up to it's up to us as parents again it's about a confidence thing to instill that mm-hmm. um and they will resist they will resist but you know what we prepare for that we know that's going to happen but we still put our foot down um and you know it, it will be like on a case by case basis in terms of what you could do it depends on the child what's going to be more effective or most effective in terms of the kind of um, you know consequences that you could put in place.
0: Yeah, that's the kind of thing that's hard because then you think, well, if you're not pulling your weight, how about I don't pull my weight, and then the house doesn't get tidy, <laughs> and then you just get fed up, and you think, well, I'm just going to have to tidy anyway because I don't want to live in a tip. Mm.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't cut my nose off to spite my face. Yeah. So you no, know, it has to, need to tidy, <laughs> tidied, it. But there are certain things that certainly. I mean. Um, if if they if they're not working and they're coming to you for money, then that wouldn't happen. If they are um, expecting you to wash clothes or buy clothes, then that wouldn't happen. Um, you know, it, it's give and take. If they're becoming of age, and, and and certainly if they're not wanting to contribute, then I would certainly be talking about them moving on, and mm-hmm. um, and that might be the when when they start to learn how to you know to live. And when they will get pride in you know their living environment when they're inviting friends in their place is um you know disgusting they'll soon you know won't want to be known as um, having a dirty house so you know there's a lot of things that they will learn once they move out so you know i i think that you know there are things that you can put in place as a parent certainly
0: so for anyone that's listening who has sort of a teen in the middle age and they're not ready to leave and they feel stuck because they they're in the house and they're not contributing to anything and they're not opening up any conversation with them, what tips or advice have you got for them?
1: Really depends on um, the relationship you've got and the child that you've got. But I would be, um, you know, instilling those things. If the child is wanting, um, you know, you to do for them, then they need to know that it's not, it it doesn't come without, um, you know, some give and take a child you know if you if you're teaching your child to be um you know responsible and caring and all of those elements you know you can't expect to be doing everything for your child and they're not doing something as well um so you know again that comes down to the confidence of the parents to challenge that and to be willing to take as well because you know even myself when I, when in terms of like consequences And it's something, you know, something I really want my child to do, say they've got, um, you know, their sports club or they've got, um, you know, something that they're looking forward to. It it hurts me to take it away. You know, sometimes it's like, oh, gosh, I don't really want to put this punishment in place. But actually, um, you know, when you follow through and they trust you and believe you that you're going to do it, it won't take many of those occasions, you know, those deep disappointments for your child to like fix up. So, yeah, I, I, I. I think that, you know, there are things that we can do as parents.
0: I guess the hard bit is getting the strategies, working on your confidence and then Mm. putting it in place because obviously you've been one way and your child's used to that way and suddenly you turn around being a bit more assertive. They'll be like, hang on a minute, what's going on
1: here? Absolutely. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's going to throw them and you've got to kind of, you know, build up your strength and your, you know, your... Just to just to know that you're doing the right thing, you know, all of all of these strategies that we put in place, it's coming from a place of love. Even if your child is going to kick up a fuss, you know that you know whatever lesson that they're learning from it is something that you strongly believe in. You're not doing anything to harm your child. You're not doing anything to um, go out of your way to um, make their life miserable. You're doing it because actually it's the right thing to do. And, and we know it in, our, in you know in our heart of hearts we know what we're, we're doing the best for our children and they know it as well so when we're coming along doing all of that it you know it's 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 tough lessons but you know what I'm doing it for the best and you know that's the kind of attitude we need to take on board as well for our, you know when we're approaching these situations
0: and I think I find as a parent of a teenage girl and even a five-year-old girl actually I just find girls are terribly um, conflicting and I don't know if it's because I'm female as well and it's that the female hormones conflicting and there's always fire going on in the house but I know from other parents who have teenage boys they don't have the same fire but then they almost want to get fire out of them because the boys do nothing
1: mm. how
0: do you with the, the parents of the teenage boys get them to to want to be um, like even ambitious just to get out of the house and get a job and just do something
1: it's again. It's it. It depends on the child that you're working with. So you know, it, it 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 depends. You know, really, we need to be looking at um you know what is what is going to get them motivated. Motivation is you know it's a difficult thing to um you know try and tackle um in, in like in, in a general per in a general way a general vein. We really need to know, you know, what is it that's preventing them and what is it what are the barriers to them getting to where they want to go it's all about goal setting it's all about working with them on goal setting and um you know their identity what is it that they like to do um it's all right as carving out a path for our children but really we want them to be happy and doing the best for themselves so you know we might might need a bit of help finding that um so is you know, it like
0: an, an adult way of um basically mimicking like what you do with the children and the sticker charts so they their good behavior is rewarded and then at the end they get something
1: um in what in what class are you talking
0: as in so because the motivation would be to get that end goal so i'm wondering if there's a way that you can do that with older teens obviously a sticker chart's going to be a bit young for them
1: yeah i mean i, I really focus on um what it you know the feelings and in you know what is it that's, that's getting them fired up so yeah i like the sticker chart but you know what is it what is their end goal and how do they feel um, at the end of that goal definitely so
0: when you are actually in a conflict though and you end up arguing with your team obviously like arguing, being assertive is quite a skill when it comes to somebody who's so close to you and you're very emotional and some of the words that get thrown out by them and even by you, you could both regret and um, they could be quite hurtful. How can you stay in control in that situation and without getting too emotional and
1: taking things to heart? Yeah, um, yeah oh, in terms of, it, because, because it can end up being a cycle um, in terms of, you know, these are the behaviours that you've, like, developed, they can be difficult to change. So, you know, sometimes in terms of that, you have to have a different um, outlook or plan it out. And, you know, maybe say, you know, if if we we end up in patterns, so we can kind of predict what's going to happen, we can predict what the child's going to say back to us, we can predict, we can predict. Um, so I guess it would be a case of, um, you know, um, kind of, um, yeah, preempting what's going to happen. So if they say this, then I'm not going to react like that, I'm going to say this, or I might, you know, walk away, or, you know, you just plan it, you know, all of it is planning, um, especially if you know that you've got into some a cycle. So you know that they're gonna hit the roof, and then you can sit there and go, okay, yep, I knew that they hit the roof, and this is what I'm gonna try today. Um, instead of reacting that way, I'll react this way. Yeah.
0: And do you have any advice for parents to work together? So where a lot of children play their parents off of each other, like at all ages and Mm -hmm. with families being so busy and one being in the house, one being at work and and swapping shifts, how can you work together when you're not even in the house together at the same time?
1: Again, it's going to be communication. Um, it's, it's going to have to be communication and that comes down to the relationship that, you know, you develop with your partner as well. And, and kind of, you know, understanding that if you don't work together then it's going to be very difficult for both of you or one of the other of you um, so again it's it's all about communication um, it's all about um, you know being respectful of the of, of each other in that household um, and in that relationship so you have to have common ground um, although it can become very fractious I speak to parents all the time whose, pet, whose relationships are actually you know, um, going down the pan because of their child, uh, you know, and because of these teen years and because of the way that they're carrying on. So it, it's, you know, your question is, you know, very relevant. It does happen. And I'd say it's down to communication and establishing ground rules. And if you've got that, if you've got, if you've got common ground with your partner, then it's, more difficult for your child to kind of go off the rails if you haven't then and everything's a bit unstable or wishy-washy then that's when they're you know likely to play play you know each parent off off on the other so you know what get your relationship in check um and then you know you'll find things a lot easier
0: so in the instance of step parents and you have um a third um either father or mother how do you then get the child to appreciate the step parent when uh, another parent comes back from the past even if they've not been there their whole life
1: so how that, do you get them to
0: yes yeah, so like like an absent father for example mm. away for many many years and then obviously a stepfathers brought up the child done everything for the child and then the absent father comes back into the child's life and then the stepfather gets pushed out how do you get them to, like, respect and, and all everything that their stepfather has done? Because I think teenagers live in the now and they, they don't seem mm-hmm. to have the ability to zoom back to the past. Anyway, and, and I noticed this myself when I became a parent and I became a parent very young, that it was mm-hmm. only really then that I could see my mum and, and dad and everybody for what they had done. Yeah. Because I was now experiencing it myself.
1: So you just answered your own question. They might not. They might not. So I think um, in terms of that, they, they do live in there now, you're quite right. Um, I would say, you know, celebrate the fact that, you know, they're having or building a relationship with an absent parent. I wouldn't get um, too hung up on that. Um, the time will tell and time will show um, who's who in, you know, in the relationship. Yeah. Um, if it doesn't, then, you know, that's unusual and it's unfortunate. But like you said, time, you know, it, you, you look back on things. And um, if it's not happening now, you know, you can't force that. All you can do is do the right thing by your children. All you can do is celebrate the fact that they are, you know, having an exposure to another person who cares for them or, you know, is showing um, an interest in them, in them at that time and enjoy the moments. I wouldn't, I wouldn't try and get hung up on it. I wouldn't try and get hung up on that. It will, it will all come good in the end.
0: Mm-hmm. So parenting, obviously, a full-time job. If it was a, a job available where you earn some money from
1: it, mm-hmm.
0: what would the top five descriptions for the role be?
1: The top five descriptions for parenting? Yeah. Put you on the spot now. <laughs> oh my goodness. Relentless work.
0: Sleeping with one eye open.
1: <laughs> yeah. um, emotional roller coaster. Um, you know, questioning yourself. Oh, God you know um yeah never feeling that you are doing it right you know it 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 isn't easy you know none of us are finding it easy in terms of you know the, the things that are thrown at us but certainly you know what i would advise any parent um going into you know the teen years is get the support don't be ashamed of reaching out you're not supposed to know anything everything you know in terms of um you know the work that I've done, I've been doing it over 20 years. You're not supposed to know everything that I know, I've studied this, so you know, don't be afraid to reach out for support from other people, from experts out there. Um, is it, um yeah, there's a um, yeah, there's only so much that we know, and like I said, you know, we were taught how to be parents when we, we first had our children, we were taught even before they were born, so you know, don't expect to know everything, you won't know it, and um, you know. If, If you want life to be easier, get the support from others.
0: So do you want to share with us what your group is in Facebook for anyone that wants to join it and any um, other places that we can hear more of your work?
1: Yeah, sure. Um, My Facebook um, page or my Facebook group is called the Parents of Teens and Preteens Village Community. And the reason why it's, um, you know, I've named it village is because of an old African proverb, which says it takes a village to raise a child. And I stand by that, you know, none of us should be doing that alone. So if you want to find me on Facebook, then, you know, you can request to join. And, um, you know, there's a lovely community of parents in there who are very supportive, going through all kinds of things, um, you know, and um, yeah, it's it's a lovely group. There's There's a lot more to be coming in the group as well so you know if, if you join do keep your eyes peeled for more to come um and also my website is um teenbehavior.com so you can type that in and you can read about some of the resources and um, that i have um that you can purchase on there and uh yeah some of the work that i do
0: brilliant thank you um and is there anything else that you wanted to say before we go
1: find me on facebook um, Anika Vassal, um, Team Behaviourist, and um, join me, join my group. It would be lovely to have you there.
0: If you like this episode, don't forget to subscribe and leave Nicola a review on iTunes. You can also check out the show notes and get other free content on our website, foostalfit.co.uk. If you'd like to contact Nicola, email nicola at foostalfit.co.uk.